Sin cannot 
blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us to wait before thee, near to the heart of God. We bring you greetings, friends, and an invitation to help us reach new listeners. Why not double the size of our listening audience? We suggest a great letter crusade for Christ and the voice of prophecy. Everyone write at least one letter. Write to your dearest friends and nearest relatives and invite them to tune in. Radio logs will be mailed to you for this correspondence work if you will write to us and let us know how many you can use. Here is a good missionary project for church service groups and young people's missionary societies. Nearly all shut-ins and sick people who long to do something for Christ can do this much. Really, it is thrilling to know that our friends are listening to the voice of prophecy at the same time, even though thousands of miles away. A lady in Linton, Indiana writes, From the very depths of my heart come these words of gratitude and thanks for the messages over the air and the free Bible lessons. My daughter lives in another state, but she listens to the voice of prophecy every Sunday. As we are both tuned to the same station hearing the same program, we feel that we can attend services together, even though many miles apart. After last Sunday's message, she wrote, Mother, wasn't it good? Her little daughter, less than three years old, said in the letter, Mom's listening too. So as we lift our hearts to God and listen, he unites us and we fellowship together. Friend, won't you write to someone today and invite them to tune into the voice of prophecy? How better could you win a soul for Christ? And now, the King's Herald sing, Blessed are they that do. Prophecy. His subject, the big sin. 
What is the big sin, the sin God never forgives, the sin called the great transgression in Psalm 19.13? Can we know, or is it a mystery? Surely the Lord would not warn us against something that we could never know anything about. Moreover, sin is counted sin only when there's knowledge. In James 4.17 we read that to him who knows to do good, and does it not, to him it's sin. God accepts a legitimate excuse. When a person doesn't know an act is wrong, he's not held accountable. Of the educated men who rejected him, Jesus said, I'm reading John 15:22, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now, that is, since I have come and explained the word of God to them, they have no cloak, or as the margin reads, excuse for their sin. When a man knows right and does wrong, God counts it sin. Well, what is sin? According to the Bible, it's the transgression of God's law. First John 3, 4. The transgression of God's law. In that remarkable interfaith declaration of Protestants, Catholics, and Jews on world peace, published in October 1942, the first point states that the moral law must govern the world. And that's the only way to get a just peace. A Roman Catholic bishop recently declared at a solemn mass in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York that the Ten Commandments are the only basis for world power and lasting peace after victory. And many others, Protestants and Catholics alike, are declaring the same thing. When Christ was questioned as to which was the greatest commandment, he put duty to God first, as we read in Matthew 22:37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment the big commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, just as your ten fingers hang on your two arms. So all the ten commandments hang on these two principles, love to God and love to man. The law of God is still in force. It has never been abrogated, destroyed, abolished, weakened, done away with, made void, or annulled. In its great principles, it stands fast forever. Psalm 119, 142, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. We must never forget that the right preaching of faith in Christ as our Savior never makes void God's law. Romans 3:21. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Now what is the big sin, the great transgression? The following story, I believe, is a clue. Once in the city of Chicago, a young man came to a prominent evangelist. I believe it was Dr. Toy. Told him he wanted to become a preacher. He was asked if he'd repented of his sins and been converted. He said he'd never been a sinner, didn't have to be converted. That he'd been reared right and carefully and was a moral man and wasn't a sinner. Then the preacher asked him what he considered the greatest sin to be. Why, well, he said murder, of course. The minister said, you're greatly mistaken. Please read Matthew 22:37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. What's that, the preacher said? It's the first and great commandment. Then what's the first and great sin? Not to keep this commandment. Have you always loved God with all your heart and all your mind? Have you always put God first in everything you do, in business, pleasure? God first in your study, God first in plans, God first in work? No, sir, I haven't. Then what have you done? I've broken this commandment. What commandment is it? The first and greatest. Then what have you done? I have broken the greatest commandment. That means I have committed 
the greatest sin a man can commit, but I never saw it before in my life. There may be many listening to this broadcast who've never seen it before, but who now realize that they have been committing this big sin by not making God first in everything. The love of our fellow men is important, but the love of God is most important. One day in Glasgow, there on the green in Scotland, a man stood up after hearing the preacher give a gospel message at an open-air meeting and said, uh, I don't believe what this man has said. I don't believe in hell or heaven. I don't believe in the judgment or in the devil or in God, because I've never seen one of them. Just then another member of the crowd stood forth and said, Friends, you say there's a river running not far away from this place, the river cried. There's no such thing. It's not true. It's all a delusion. You tell me there are trees and grass growing near where I stand, that there are people standing near me. But it can't be true. There are no such things. I've never seen one of them. I was born blind. No one but a blind man can talk as I have. Then turning toward the unbeliever, he said, The more you talk, the more you expose your ignorance because you're spiritually blind and cannot see. My dear friends, when we oppose God and when we do not love him with all our heart and make him first, our influence is on the wrong side. We're blind to spiritual things. And we need to pray and pray over and over again. Oh, Lord, open mine eyes that I may see wondrous things out of thy law. That's the need of of the world today to see what God has put there and to be on God's side and to stand for God in all the events and all the things that are taking place in our life and in the world today. And so, friends, may that prayer be yours and mine. Open mine eyes. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of for me, place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee, ready my God thy will to see. Open my eyes, It was because they did not love God supremely that some fault-finding gentlemen in Christ's day actually attributed his healing power to the devil. In other words, they accused the Holy Son of God of being in league with the devil. They were committing the big sin, and Jesus warned them of their danger. He said, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Matthew 12, 31. These men were on dangerous ground, and so is anyone who sins against the light of God. Jesus knew their thoughts. See verse 25. He knew that they did not believe the words they said. What a terrible thing it is to break the great commandment and grieve away God's Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is God's only agency of appeal to our hearts. And if we reject the pleadings, warnings, instructions, and convictings of the Holy Spirit, God has no other way to lead us to repentance. 
It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us when we go wrong. Here in John 16:8, we read, When he is come, that is, the Comforter, our Holy Spirit, he will reprove or convict the world of sin. When David had committed his great sin, you remember, he was afraid the Holy Spirit would leave him. There in the 51st Psalm, verses 10, he says, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. If the Holy Spirit leaves a man, he will have no more conviction of sin. And if not convicted, of course, he will not repent. And if he doesn't repent, he will never be forgiven. We read in Luke 13, 3, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In Luke 24, 46, The gospel is to be preached, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. No repentance, no salvation. And when a man refuses to repent or neglects to repent, he shows that he does not regard God with supreme love. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 10.21, was the message of the great apostle. A man who never repents will never be forgiven. He has committed the big sin until it has become the unpardonable sin, the sin that hath never forgiven us. Friend, are you ready to step over that line by rejecting our Lord? Are you ready, really, to count the cost? There's a line that is drawn by rejecting our Lord Where the call of His Spirit is lost As you hurry along with a pleasure mad have you counted, have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Though you gain the whole world for your own, Now it may be that the line you have crossed Have you counted? Have you counted the cost? While the door of his mercy help us to count the cost. You know, some folks show lack of love to God by continually indulging in some wickedness or rejecting truth they know 
Some show it in big things, some in little things. Presumptuous sins, sins committed against light, against warning, against the conviction of the Holy Spirit, sins that presume upon God's mercy. Such sins lead us at last to destruction. David knew how to pray and what to pray for, and he prayed, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Psalm 19, 12 and 13. There it is, the great transgression. O oh, may the Lord guide us and keep us from this great transgression. Once an old minister got discouraged and ill. Some way he was oppressed with the conviction he'd committed the unpardonable sin, worried about it night and day, couldn't eat or sleep. Told a friend, finally, of his terrible fear, fear that he was lost. His friend said, well, if it should prove true that you're to be sent to hell, what do you feel would be your first activity there? The old believer answered at once, as I feel now, I'd attempt to start a prayer meeting right away. When he said that, he saw how ridiculous it was to feel he was utterly lost under eternal condemnation when he wanted to worship God. But friend, if you want to worship God, you've not committed that sin. But listen, the way to show your love to God is to obey him now, today. When Mrs. Max Pazer of Lake Bay, Washington, found on the beach near her home a bottle containing a paper with the heading, The Time Is Now, The Time Has Come, I think it was, on one end, and on the other end, the face of a clock with its hand pointing to 1157. She called the FBI. But the words under that headline were a warning to the lady who found it, to the agents who were called, and to those who hear this broadcast, and to all others. Those words in the bottle were, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Second Corinthians 6, 2. You see, the call is not merely that we should get ready, but that we should be ready now, today, every day. A man visiting a school announced to the students that when he came back, he'd give a prize to the people having the desk in the best order. When you come back, oh, I can't tell you. One little girl was noted for being disorderly, said, I'm going to win that prize. You, the other, said, your desk is always out of order, but I'll clean it up the first of the week. But suppose he comes at the end of the week, then I'd better clean it up the first thing every morning. But he may come at the end of the day just before school's out. She was silent a minute, then she said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just keep it clean all the time. So, friends... If we are to be ready when the Lord comes, whether it be at midnight or cock-crowing of the morning, we must not only get ready, but be ready. Someday my Redeemer shall call me to come And leave all these earth scenes below And take me to be with my loved ones at home. I want to be ready to go. I want to be ready, be ready to go. I want to be ready to go. When storms Someday at the throne.
judge I shall stand. My sentence be joy or be be found at my Savior's right hand. I want to be ready to go. I want to be ready to go. storms are all past, he shall call me at last. I want to be ready to go. I want to be ready, friend, don't you? Preparedness has become word in national life and security. It means even more in the spiritual life. We should be ready at all times for whatever may come. Then, when storms are all past, he shall call me at last. I want to be ready to go. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God on land and on the sea. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend in God. Oh, say to the rock that is higher than I, my soul in its conflict and sorrows would fly. So sinful, so weary, thine, thine would I be. I have 
The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Oh.